The following message is from the North Shore Christian Centre MP3 Audio Lounge. More information about North Shore Christian Centre is available at www.nscc.org.au. God gave us an amazing gift when he gave us Jesus. And what we've been doing over the last couple of weeks is just looking at the names of Jesus. How many of you know that the Bible attributes 700 names to Jesus? When you read through the scriptures, there's 700 names attributed to Jesus. I'm not going to go through the whole 700 today. Um, But last week I went through four, four names attributed to Jesus in Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6. And last week we looked at the name Wonderful Counselor. What a wonderful attribute that is. And, and what I want you to focus on this morning is that this is God's gift to us. He gave us a wonderful counselor. And what do I mean by that? I mean someone who's there to advise us. Someone who's there to guide us and direct us in life. What a wonderful gift this is. And how many people understand it? And how many people appreciate and value the gift of wonderful counselor and stop every day to ask advice of the wonderful counselor because that's what God gave us he gave us a wonderful counselor he gave us mighty God the all-powerful one the one who always leads us into victory how good it is hey look the Bible doesn't say that you're not going to have battles matter of fact if you're going to have a victory it means that you can have a battle but the wonderful thing is that you get to win Sometimes the battle sort of lasts a little bit longer than we want it to last. But at the end of the day, you get to win. Why? Because mighty God is on your side. Everlasting Father. For some people that have had absent fathers, this is such an important gift that's been given to us. The one who was there at the beginning, the one who will be there at the end, the one who's there in between. Everlasting Father. And the last one we looked at last week was Prince of Peace. The one who came, first of all, to bring peace between us and God. But then to give us inner peace. And a peace that the world can never know. He's the world desiring peace. World peace. But not understanding that peace comes only from the Prince of Peace. And this morning I want to give you two more names that are attributed to Jesus. And this is found in Matthew chapter 1. Let's read verses 22 to 23. And it says, And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel which is translated, God with us. So the other two names that I want to share with you this morning is Jesus and Emmanuel, two other names. Now, we know Jesus mainly through the name Jesus, but what does Jesus mean? The the literal translation of the word Jesus in Hebrew is Yahweh saves. God is my salvation. So every time we say Jesus, we are literally saying Yahweh saves, God saves, God saves. That's what Jesus literally means. God is our salvation. Now, I want to talk to you about the word salvation for a little while because being a Christian my whole life, 
Well, hang on, let me rephrase that. Being brought up in a Christian home my whole life, I, I became a Christian when I made a decision for Jesus as a seven-year-old child. So I wasn't born a Christian, I was born into a Christian home, but made a decision to become a Christian at seven years of age. I've always had the word salvation placed in front of me. And so consequently, for me, my worldview includes salvation. But I'm incredibly aware that for so many people, salvation doesn't mean anything to them. I mean, my whole life I've seen, I've seen, you know, the, the subtitle, Jesus saves. And, and as soon as I read that, how many of you know what that means? And how many of you automatically go, but, how, but I realized one day that for someone that doesn't have a Christian worldview, Jesus saves is very confusing. And so I heard one guy that was never brought up in a Christian home, when he saw the tag, Jesus saves, wondered what Jesus saved. Did he save stamps did he save coins what does jesus save does he save coupons they had no idea and 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 i i get confronted with the fact that as a christian my worldview is is very christianized but for some people it's not the same so when we say jesus saves jesus is the savior what does that mean because we adopted it from a Hebrew mindset. And so when this was written, initially it was written to people that had an understanding of God that had come from a Hebrew mindset. So, so let, let me explain a few things because many in the Western world see themselves as too sophisticated for salvation. They have no concept of the fact that we need to be saved. See, many in the Western world have been educated way beyond spirituality. And so for them, the sophistication of their mindset basically says this, that we came out of nothing and we evaporate into nothing. And I think what a sad, sad scenario it is for people to grow up in a world where they believe that they came out of nothing and they disappear into nothing. And then for others, the, the, the greatest attainment they can have is a state of utter nothingness. How many of you know that, that in, in the Buddhist religion, that's nirvana, is a state of utter nothingness. And that is your ultimate goal, to get to a place of utter nothingness. I think, how sad that that is your ultimate goal, to get to nothing. Wow, that's something to really really strive for get to nothing wow that's awesome see then then for others in the western world if if they've gone beyond i've come out of nothing and i'll go into nothing then their whole concept of god is a concept that well if god exists i'm a good person and i'll be okay how many of you know people like that and what I find sometimes is the incredible confusion that happens in our society where there's a mindset of we've come out of nothing, we go into nothing, and then at a time of need, well, we turn to God. And so in our school system, children are being educated that they evolved and, and if evolution basically is a whole story of you come out of nothing and ultimately you go into nothing. And so that is stated as fact. But then when we have a disaster, 
We turn to the church. We turn to, to people of faith to, to give us some hope that something good has happened to our loved ones. And so right through society, what you see is this incongruity because man cannot cope with nothingness as their ultimate destination. They need hope. They need God. They need something that sustains them in moments of grief. Because you can't comfort a weeping mother at a graveside and say, well, your son came from nothing and has now disappeared into nothing. How does that comfort anybody? Get the scientist, get the atheist, and put them at a gravesite and say, okay, let your doctrine comfort people. But you get a minister of the gospel, you get a chaplain that believes in this book, that believes in the word of God, and we are able to give hope to people who are suffering because we believe that we came out of something and we're going somewhere. There is hope, there is destiny in God creator who made us and wants to save us and give us eternal life. Come on, is anybody else going to get excited about this? Because you're the church, you're the God people, you're the ones who have this message, and it's the message of truth, and it's the message of hope, and it's the only message that makes logical sense. There is no other message that is logically intact like the message of the gospel. So the Hebrew mindset of salvation, it was constructed from the Bible stories that they grew up with. And so when, when, when they get into the Bible there in Matthew 1, and it talks about, and God will send a Savior, and He will save His people from their sins, they had a mindset that understood that. And their mindset was constructed from the stories of the Bible. And so just three stories that constructed their mindset that I'm going to share with you this morning. The first one is the story of Adam and Eve. It's probably the first story that they were taught. And as, and as we, we, we come into the Bible, it's the first story in Genesis after creation that we are confronted with. And it's a story of, that includes a holy God and disobedience to a holy God. And I really believe that that we need to grab hold of the truth of the fact that God is a holy God and that disobedience is an offense to a holy God. And, and what we see in the Garden of Eden and what the Hebrew people had this mindset of that, that, that we were brought up with as well as Christians is this, is that God made us and created us and placed us in this place of incredible peace and harmony and just said, hey, one thing, just one thing. Not 10 things, not 500 things, just one thing. See that tree over there? Don't want you to eat of the fruit of it, that's all. So enjoy everything, but just don't eat of the tree of that fruit. That's all, one thing to do. And as human nature is, the very thing that we were not supposed to do, why do we go and do? We sort of camp around the very thing God says is forbidden. It's just something about humanity that seeks for the taboo things in life. And so his Eve camped around the tree. Instead of going to the other part of the garden where the tree wasn't, she's around the, she's around the tree and looking at, oh, okay, that's what I'm not supposed to eat. Hmm. Wow, that's the very tree. Instead of focusing on the hundreds and hundreds of other trees that had fruit falling off it that you could eat, 
No, we're focused on the tree that we're not supposed to eat. And incidentally, Adam was there with her. So it's not as if Adam was at some part of the garden. And so along comes the serpent, the Satan, and tempts and says, Whoa, hey, this is awesome fruit. And so you know the story. You know the story better than me. And she and Adam partook. And in partaking what they did, they just didn't eat fruit. They disobeyed God. So the issue wasn't eating fruit. The issue was disobeying God. And there were consequences for disobedience. And the consequences were separation from God. And what happened is this. They lost relationship. And the very relationship they had with God were in the cool of the day, God would come and commune with them and talk with them. Through disobedience, they lost that. And a barrier was created between God and man. And the Hebrew mindset understood that. The Hebrew mindset understood holiness of God. What is so difficult about our mindset to grab hold of the concept of holiness of God? Why do we want to make God the God that is okay with everything? Doesn't matter what lifestyle you live, it's okay. It's fine. Well, God is just, he's pretty cool. He's pretty chillaxed. It's okay. You want to live in sin. Well, what is that? What is that? Living in sin. Is, is, there, is it possible to live in sin these days? There used to be a living in sin back 50 years ago, but, but we've evolved a lot since then. And now there's no more living in sin. We live in de facto relationships or we live in peaceful harmony and understanding and mixed families and modern families. And, and so, oh, we, we, we just don't want to put too much heavy stuff on people about sin. Okay, I don't want to do that either. But do people know what sin is anymore? Do people know what offends a holy God anymore? Oh, but, 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 you know, we just, we just don't want to drive people out of the church. You know what drives people out of the church? Where there are no absolutes. There's no right and wrong. There's no black and white. What's the point of coming to a church where there is no absolute? There is no word of God preached. Everything is okay with the universe. People want to hear what God says. People want to hear what's in this book. People want to hear what's right and what's wrong. This rubbish about there being no absolutes is not what people want to hear. People want to hear what God says. And when you come to North Shore Christian Center, that's what you're going to hear. You're not going to hear a message that will just make you tingle on the inside if you're living in sin. You're going to hear a message that will give you hope that God can forgive and God can cleanse and you can stop offending a holy God because it starts off in the Bible where God got offended because they simply ate a piece of fruit. Well, what sort of God is that? He's too delicate. He's a holy God. Then we get to Genesis chapter 6. And God is just so offended 
with sin. That the Bible, there's a scripture in Genesis 6 6 that it's right, it's a 6 6 scripture that says, And the Lord saw in verse 5, and the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth, and he was grieved in his heart. He was sorry. He was so offended that he got grieved in his heart. Now, what is that? What what is that? Well, that's just a God being too sensitive. That's your interpretation? That's your interpretation. But the truth of the interpretation is this, that sin offends a holy God. And if you don't know what sin is, then you will continually offend a holy God and there will always be separation between you and God. Oh yeah, but, 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 but God is gracious. Of course He is. He's gracious in wanting to forgive. But he can't forgive if you don't ask for forgiveness. And you can't ask for forgiveness if you don't think that what you've done is wrong. Or if what you've done has offended a holy God. And so, so we see the story of Noah where God says, okay, I'm going to start all over again. And he looked and he found only one righteous man on the, on the planet and that was Noah. And so the story goes, Noah... Because you were bringing joy to me. Because you were coming into my presence the right way. And Noah would sacrifice and would live a righteous life. He was a God person honoring God. And so what God said is this. What I'm going to do is this. I'm going to make it possible for the whole earth to be saved. Because I'm going to destroy this planet. But I'm going to make it possible. I'm going to give a way of escape for every single human being on the planet if they choose to believe my word. And so, and so God says, what I want you to do is this. I want you to create this ark, this incredibly big boat, and open up the doors to everybody. Everybody that wants to come into the boat is free to come. But the day will come when I'm going to shut the door and it's all over. It's only those in the boat that will be saved. And so you know the story. You've heard it in Sunday school. It's not a myth. It's truth. It's in God's word. And so, and so for 100 years, Noah preached and he preached and he preached. Come into the ark because God's going to destroy the world. The sin of this world has become a stench in God's nose. And he's grieved that he's even made the earth. He's going to start again. But all those in the ark will be saved. Come on in. It's free to everybody that wants to come in. It's free. Every, no, no ticket. You don't have to pay. You just have to come in. That's all you've got to do. How many of you know that's the grace of God? It's free. Just come in. But in coming into that ark, you've got to accept a couple of things. What have you got to accept? You've got to accept that sin has offended God. You've got to accept that God's going to judge the world. And you've got to accept that only in the ark is salvation. And people couldn't accept that. I just couldn't, whoa, 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 my friends think me going into that ark. Oh, you know, they're going to cut me off. My social life is going to be destroyed if I, if, if, if I get involved with those fanatics. So it's only Noah and his family that believed. And they got into the ark. And on the particular day, God shut the door. And they were stuck in that ark for a week. 
Can you imagine what it was like stuck in the ark for a week with no destruction? And then all of a sudden it came. The waters came. The floods came. That's, and that's when people started knocking on the door. Okay, please, I believe now. Let me in. Sorry, mate, it's too late. You had 100 years. Now it's all over. The door's been shut. Time's up. Only those in the ark. And it's very clear that only those in the ark were saved. Now, how many of you know that that story is such a powerful story? I first heard it in Sunday school. Never forgotten. How many of you heard it first in Sunday school? God save us from a generation that's never been to Sunday school. God save us from... Let me tell you something. I honestly believe that the answer to the dilemmas that we have in Australia is so simple. And here it is. Are you ready for it? Send your kids to Sunday school. Send your kids to Sunday school. And I guarantee that if we do that, it'll change the mindset. You're not going to have people graffitiing buildings because they've got nothing to do, poor little darlings. Oh, and we've got to respect their art. Let me tell you, I was brought up that vandalism is vandalism. No matter if it looks like Michelangelo's works of art, it's still vandalism. Hello? Anyway, I won't go there because we're touching buttons. The third story. Pay attention. (laughs) Garden of Eden, the ark, the third story. And this formulated the Hebrew mindset of salvation was the Passover lamb. So much so that every every year they, they, they would have this celebration of Passover. And it's this simple story that here they were captives in Egypt. And the 10th plague was coming to Egypt. And the 10th plague was the death of the firstborn. And it was coming. The death angel was coming. And he's God's grace saying to the children of Israel, not only to the children of Israel, but to anyone that would listen, to the Egyptians as well. This is the deal. Find yourself a male lamb whether it be from the sheep or from the goats, find a firstborn male lamb unblemished. And then you get it for the family and you kill, you sacrifice this lamb. And you get the blood that's been spilt from this this lamb and you sprinkle it on the doorposts. You color the doorposts red. You know what I find fascinating? This is what I find fascinating. That even that this story even reached China. They, they sort of distorted it over the years, but they still have in Chinese mentality that red over the doorposts and the lintels of the house is good luck. Am I right or wrong in that? Where does that come from? That comes from the Passover. It comes from this story that the death angel is coming and only those whose doorposts of the house were sprinkled with the blood would receive salvation. And God says, when I come and I see the blood on the doorposts, I see the sacrifice that was made. I see that a lamb was sacrificed on behalf of the family and the blood was shed. I will pass over. The death angel will not come into the house. Salvation will be in that house, not only for the children of Israel, but for any of the Egyptians that believe and do the same thing. They too will be saved. Now, this concept that they kept celebrating, the Passover, 
the Passover, there it is. Now the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be on you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. They had the concept of sin. They had the concept of a sacrifice. They had the concept of salvation. And so when we come into the story... I love this. And you shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. To those with the Hebrew mindset, it was just very simple to understand. Very simple. Okay, so Jesus now is the Savior. So Jesus is the one who forgives sins. Yes, this is the gift of God. Jesus, the one who came to save us, to forgive us. To remove the offense between us and God. Someone once said, if our greatest need had been information, God would have sent us an educator. If our greatest need had been technology, God would have sent us a scientist. If our greatest need had been money, God would have sent us an economist. If our greatest need had been pleasure, God would have sent us an entertainer. But our greatest need was forgiveness. And because our greatest need was forgiveness, God sent us a Savior who was born this day in the city of David, Christ the Lord, Jesus, the Savior of the world. Oh, my friend. If I live to be a hundred, I can never tell this story with that excitement in my spirit. It's the greatest story ever told that 2,000 years ago in a little stable in a little town called Bethlehem, God gave us a Savior to forgive our sins. And his name will be called Emmanuel. I love this. And I'm going to finish on this. I'm ready for the landing. Emmanuel, which means God with us. See, when you go back to the story in the Garden of Eden, what you see is that sin separated us from God. God wanted to be with us, but sin had separated. But now that he sent a savior so that the barrier could be removed, so that the offense could be removed, now we have Emmanuel, God living, abiding with us, in us, around us, upon us. God with us. No longer a distant God, but a God with us. Jesus came to make us understand a relational God, a loving God, a compassionate God. But listen, too many people want the relational, loving, compassionate God without firstly, firstly discovering that he's the Savior God. You can't have the relational, loving, compassionate God without first removing the barrier the offense between you and God. And that offense has to be removed. And too many people in the social gospel don't understand about God being offended. And they're looking at the scriptures that point to the compassion, the grace, the love of God. And there are so many 
They refer to the grace, the love, the compassion of God. But that only comes once the offense has been removed, once the barrier has been removed. And that's what Jesus came to do. Remove the barrier between us and God. Remove that wall of separation so there's no longer a separation between God and man. But we can be the people of God, washed, set free, forgiven, redeemed, blessed, justified, sanctified, given life eternal because Jesus, God's gift came to this planet. Oh my goodness. With God with us, how do we make the most of God with us? Church, Steve, you can come up. Church, God's with you. Emmanuel, you people that have received Jesus as Savior, understand that He is Emmanuel, God with you. Don't neglect what it means to have God with you. Don't neglect. When the enemy comes knocking at your door, I love this story. A little girl was so afraid of the night, so afraid of spooky things. And, and uh, I don't know about you, but when I was a kid, that was the way that they controlled little kids in those days. They'd make them afraid of the boogeyman and make them afraid of the dark and make little kids afraid, and that would control them. And this little girl that had been brought up in that mentality said, said and she'd just become a Christian. Someone said, what, 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 what will happen if you hear a knock at your door and it creates fear? She says, I'll just send Jesus to answer. And I thought, there's someone that's got the concept of God with us. 24-7. When the enemy comes knocking at your door and he's got a, he's got a, a present for you. And it's the present of depression. You open the door and say, oh, thank you for the package. Oh, let me put it on. Ah, spirit of depression. What do you send Jesus to answer the door? And Jesus says, you foul spirit of depression. What are you trying to do to clothe my redeemed with depression when they're clothed with the robe of righteousness? Be gone in the name above every other name that at my name you will bow and you will confess that I am Lord. See, that's what it means to have Emmanuel, God, with you. See, some of you are alone. Some of you don't have a husband. Some of you don't have a wife. Some of you, you just, when you go to home, you're by yourself. Well, it's, it's time to stop saying that. I'm by myself. I'm alone. Because Emmanuel is God with you. You're not alone when the creator of the universe is there. When you go home and you shut that door, you're locked in with him and you can commune and talk with him receive advice and counsel from him. He's Emmanuel, God with us. The one who will never leave you nor forsake you. Oh yeah, but I know that scripture. Do you really? I can quote it, but do you live it? Does it, does it possess your soul? Does it possess your spirit? The one who said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I am God with you. When you're walking through the valley of the shadow of death, when you're walking through the hard times, when you're walking through all sorts of evil things, are you aware that he's right in his staff that comfort you? And you call upon Emmanuel, God, God with us. And you constantly say, 
God, I just want to be the God person you want me to be. The God person. See, I understand. When I listen to the media, I understand where that rubbish is coming from. Because they're not God people. They're people of this world that I have a compassion for. But when I listen to you, I want to hear God messages coming out of your mouth. Because you're the God people. You're the God people. You're the God people that walk through this planet radiating Jesus. That's what he wants to do in your life. He doesn't want you to be the angry ones, the road ragers, that I'll bite your head off people. Now you're the God people. You walk as prince and princes with God, head held high, because you know where your eternal destiny is sealed. You know you're going to live with him forever and ever, that he's got a throne set up for you, a crown for your head. He's going to robe you with royal garments. You're a God person. You have been chosen. You have been set aside. Your name is written in the book of heaven. Why? Because 2,000 years ago, God sent the greatest gift that could ever be given. The gift that's reconciled man with God. The gift that's removed the barrier of sin. The gift that has given you life and life eternal to make you a prince, a princess with God. That's God's Christmas gift. God gave. God gave. God gave. God gave. And as I finish this morning, I want to challenge you with this. When a gift is given, you've only got two choices. You either accept or you reject. You either accept the gift or you reject the gift. And this morning, this preacher sent from God to you is saying to you, God's gift of Jesus is being offered to you. God's gift of salvation is being offered to you. And you either accept it or reject it. And if you want to accept God's gift, it's so simple. All you've got to do is this. A, admit that you've made some mistakes. Admit that your sins have separated you from God. Admit that you've done something to offend God. Even if it's taking a paperclip that doesn't belong to you. The Bible calls that stealing. And that's offensive to God. All Adam and Eve did was eat a fruit. I tell you, I've done worse than eat a fruit. I've done worse than that. But God's forgiving. If I can admit, if I can admit, I don't need a Savior unless I need forgiveness. And for me to admit that I need forgiveness is step number one. Step number two is just believe. Believe that God sent His Son to die upon a cross, to shed His blood, to die in my place, to pay the penalty for my sins. That he rose on the third day from the dead. Do I believe that? Do I believe in this book? Do I believe the truth of God's word? Do I believe that Jesus died for me? You say, well, I, I believe that Jesus died on the cross 
for my sins. I believe that he rose on the third day. Then the third thing you have to do is simply this. Just confess Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And I tell you, when you begin to confess him as your Lord and Savior, at that point you become a God person. Why? Because God people confess Jesus. God people are not embarrassed or ashamed of him. God people say, Jesus is my Lord. Jesus is my Savior. I'm not ashamed of him. I'm happy to walk through life as a God person. I'm happy to be recognized as a God person and I'm willing to confess Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And if you're willing to admit your sins, believe that Jesus died for you, confess Jesus as your Lord, then you will be saved. And that's how you receive God's wonderful Christmas present. Can we bow our heads for a word of prayer? Thanks for listening to this message from the North Shore Christian Centre Audio Lounge. We invite you to visit us online at www.nscc.org.au. Through our website, you can keep up to date with what's happening in the life of our church in Chatswood, New South Wales, as well as accessing other free resource materials. 